Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Oh, look at my front butt. Entire team 
decide to keep them in the game for that one last season, even if it may fuck them badly. And yeah. pretty much does, doesn't it? Yeah, but you know what? It's one of those feel-good movies, you know. And, and, and you know, I mean, just previous to that on TV, there was Brian's song. So it's pulling yeah. out that chestnut that the guy is dying. But this is done pretty unsentimental. It's not. It's, Even the it's title is unsentimental if you know where it comes from. Right. It's uh, Streets of Laredo. It's taken from that song, which is basically a song about a cowboy dies that says, Barry, you know, bang your drum slowly and bang your drum loudly. Mm hmm. Yeah. And Danny Ayala plays horse, one of the two members. I mean, he had a hell of a 1973 and 74 just to start off, because in 74, he was Tony Rosado, one of the periphery characters in The Godfather Part Two, which a lot of us, not including Carl, think <laughs> is a great movie, and most of us who love it, love it better than one. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the trilogy, to be honest. Uh, but of the trilogy, part two is the best, without a doubt. Yeah. And it has that one scene that caused me to give a co-worker of mine a loving nickname, but let's not talk about that. Right, Carl? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> now, before yeah. we move to the next major movie, yeah, I have to uh, mention something. And this, wait. This one's Carl, so whoop, take it away. No, 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 but before we mention that one, I need to mention something else. He uh, has a small, uncredited role and The Godmothers. Do you know who directed that, Stephen? No, who? William Griffey. Danny Aiello oh. worked with William Griffey. Now, why don't you explain to him who William Griffey is? No. How the hell did Danny Allo get down to Florida? I don't know, but it's on IMDb, and he <laughs> and and and, and it, they definitely say that it's uh, um, verified. He's in the movie, along with Billy Barty. Yeah. And Frank Fontaine. Yeah. Okay, but after that, he has a small role in a film called The Front. The Front is about McCarthyism and and, and, uh, uh, the communist scare in the 50s. Basically, what happened was if you were branded a communist, you uh, didn't work, okay, if you were in the entertainment. And so if you were a writer... What you would do is you would get a front. You would get someone who you would give the script to, say, and he would say he wrote it, and get a percentage of whatever the fee was. And in that role, we have Woody Allen. Now, the funny thing is, if you look at this movie, the screenwriter, the director, uh, um, Zero Mostel, several people in the cast were all blacklisted. Uh, yeah. Danny Ayala has a very small role, but damn, he's in it. 
and, and got to give him credit. And this is one of those very underseen classics. Even in Woody Allen fans, you're rarely going to hear this one fucking mentioned. It's like, oh, he did da 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 love and death, Bloop. and he hauls next. Uh, da 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 da. You know. Interiors, maybe. I don't know, but you know what? Again, let's not let's make it clear. Alan did not direct this movie. He just stars in it. It was directed by Martin Ritt. I know. Uh, but damn, you hear me talk about this a lot. That's why you gave it to me. Yeah. I love this movie. Yeah. And I'm also very much a uh, uh, student of the era. You know, I, I've studied the era and, and, and that. So I remember when this came out, I, I had to watch it. And it was on HBO. And I think I watched it like six times in a row. Seriously. Yeah. And the thing is this. This movie is a comedy without jokes. It's It has its comic moments, for sure. Yeah. But when it comes right down to it, it's deadly fucking serious. on to another film that me and Carl have drooled over a lot on this show and that will be James Toback's first film I know he turned out to be a scumbag and a douche but fuck you fingers more people need to see that one oh hell yes hell yes fingers is hard to describe what the movie is tonally What the fuck was that? Yeah, but, there's but, even times yeah. I've seen fingers put in the horror section, and I really like. I cannot fight that. <laughs> but basically, what it is, it's about a pianist who uh, who is uh, basically a mob uh, uh, enforcer, and uh, this is one of Danny Aiello's first mob roles. And <laughs> it's just, it's brutal. And, you know, you, we forget who else is in this movie, too, is Jim Brown. Yeah, Jim Brown. Uh, yeah. Uh, Michael Gotso, Tanya Roberts is in this. Yeah. But this, this, is a, this is a really nasty little movie. Jim Brown's just a badass in this, and he doesn't even do anything. Your woman's with me. What you gonna do about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye. Yep. Fingers, you need to see it if you haven't. And next is a movie adaption, which I haven't seen. Have you seen Blood Brothers? I know you've probably read the book. Oh, yeah. I've seen Blood Brothers. It was on HBO. It's been a long time. What did you think of it the- and the book? You know. Okay, what I can tell you is this. This was the movie that basically made me dislike Richard Gere. I thought he was really miscast. However, Sorvino and Lobianco? Yeah. 
And, and again, Danny has a very small role in this. He does not have a large role. Yeah. Richard Gere would agree with you, Carl. Yeah. He's like, uh, I thought I knew I was horribly miscast, but I wanted to work with Paul Savino and, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's another one that was yeah. very adapted to the book, but they didn't have the taste of the book. Right. And next is the uh, 1980s Defiance, which is not the worst of the vigilante movies, but it's not the best. It would be in the middle tier. So I got to say something. I, I do like me, the director. John Flynn's one of the undersung directors of, 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 uh, of uh, uh, action films. He really is. Yeah. And guess who else uh, plays a small role in this film, uh, Carl? Um, well, Art Carney's in this, isn't he? Yeah, Art Carney's in it. Uh, the, but we'll get into the bigger reasons why later, but Frank Pesci's in it, too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was looking at the cast list. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, and Frank next, is in there. <coughs> yeah. And next <coughs> is 1980's Hide in Plain Sight, which is a good movie, but even for us people who like our downbeat and grim movies, it's a rough fucking watch. It's based on the case where a father had to sue and go after the U.S. government because his wife and her current boyfriend, who's a mobster, went in the witness protection program. Mm-hmm. And he's lost and the kid. Yeah, he lost the kids because basically this is the case where they ruled if the Justice Department has someone in the witness protection program, any other of the parents or the family lose any rights to contact them. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember seeing this, but it, it doesn't really hit the memory banks that well. Well, it's good, but it's not memorable. James Conn's done a hell of a lot more. This True. is one of the ILO had basically two roles in the seventies, eighties, to ninety percent of his movies, and that would be. Uh, the Italian working guy, the Irish cop, or the Italian mobster. Mm-hmm. Or the Italian cop. And speaking what? of, he's a cop in Port Apache, the Bronx. You thought hide and plain yeah. sight was dark, grim, and nasty. You need to see Fort Apache, the Bronx. <laughs> oh, Fort Apache is really nasty. And it got protested a lot because the Hispanic community in New York was complaining about how it showed that every one of the Hispanics in the movies are either uh, drug dealers or thieves. 
Well, if you lived at least you lived in the fucking Bronx in 1981. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you exactly. identify to that, Carl? That pretty much almost every Latino or any or person living in Fort Apache, the Bronx, in 1981. Well, let me put it this way, okay? The Bronx, particularly the South Bronx, okay, which is Fort Apache, it's part of the South Bronx, uh, was basically bombed out and and just totally destroyed. If you don't believe me, watch the movie Wolfen, which actually filmed in 1981 in the South Bronx. If you don't believe me, just check it out. Uh, Or Tenement. Right, or Tenement, either one of those two. Um, But I also know people that that grew, that lived in South Bronx. One woman in particular, I worked for the equivalent of Attila the Hun, Puerto Rican equivalent of Attila the Hun for a while, and her second-in-command lived in uh, South Bronx. I was up there a couple times. It was, you know, there were good people up there, but it was a scary fucking neighborhood. Yeah, and it's a very good movie, but very downbeat. And next is Chili Choo Choo and the Philly Flash, which Carl likes because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> I didn't say I liked it, but but okay, Carol Burnett is way miscast. But what? Listen to the rest of this cast, and tell me you don't want to watch it, okay? Alan Arkin, Jack Warden. Danny Aiello, Danny Glover, Sid fucking Haig, Vincent Chiavelli, Lou Jacoby. You know, that's a cast. Unfortunately, they waste most of them. Yeah. It's not a good movie. I agree with you. Well, uh, uh, 42nd Street, Pete, Pete Janella had uh, Sid Haig on his... Uh, Podcast when he had one a couple of times and they asked and Pete asked him about that. He's like, I love working with those guys. I just wish it was in a good fucking movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and after that is old blood feud, which I don't know that much about. Here, let me check it out. Uh, yeah, oh, really, the next big oh, one. Oh, shit. Oh, okay, go ahead. It's, it was the four-hour thing about Jimmy Hoffa and Robert F. Kennedy that had, uh, what? The, 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 here's, here's the cast. Robert Blake is Jimmy Hoffa. Forrest Tucker is Lyndon Johnson. Ernest Borgnine is J. Edgar Hoover. Sorry, I'll take Broderick Crawford any day as J. Edgar. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. It was the first movie. It's one of the very first movies. No, it was, I think, the first movie made for syndicated distribution only. Hmm. Yeah, how fuck wild is that? How many films do you know that was made that way? Especially a 210 prestige 
a film starring someone with Robert Blake at his level at that time. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't. No, I don't know. Be honest, of any other. Let's see. Old enough, and eh. and next is he played police chief Vincent Aiello. <laughs> In Sergio Leone's classic, Once Upon a Time in America. So tell them that story that you told me earlier today. The scene. Oh, about how uh, Leone, the whole, the, the whole, there's a scene in the movie that's based on the truth. What happened was, was this cop was being a ball buster to her, the police chief. So... In real life, Meyer Lansky, uh, Bugsy Siegel, and I forget who else, who are basically the role models for the three gangsters in Once Upon in America, didn't kidnap the police's baby. They just switched all of the babies around in the nursery like they did in the movie. But there was a small, tiny problem when it come time to tell him where they had moved his baby. Mm-hmm. No one had been assigned the job of writing down which baby was put where. <laughs> <laughs> so when they told him, it was an educated guess. And yes, that's what we're going to talk about. But once time in America is basically a ghost version of this book called The Hoods, which was based on Meyer Lansky, Bugsy Siegel, and those guys. Mm-hmm. Who were really the first real Jewish mobsters. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's a fucking classic. What do you think of Once Upon a Time in America, Carl? Well, I tell you what, I still have not seen the real cut. Okay? But even in the theatrical cut, which was butchered, you could tell that's a hell of a movie. Seriously. And I love James Woods. I love James Woods from that era, from that time frame. James Woods just could do no wrong. Seriously. And it's the only film ever to be on deemed uh, Roger Ebert's best and worst film of the year's list. Yep. The VHS because the cut, worst was the theatrical cut that was released here yeah. in the U.S., and the best was the uh, uh, longer European cut that he saw in Europe. Yeah, the longer, let's just say it this way. The U.S. theatrical cut is like two hours and 15 minutes, right? Right. The, the Euro cut, or the the real cut, is three hours. Yeah. And next is a weird period where... This is weird because... Uh, Woody Allen was really cranking them out in this part of the 80s. 
Yeah. And he did two. One, Broadway Danny Rose, where he was uncredited. And the Purple Rose of Cairo, which... Yeah, the, 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 the main supporting Cairo. role. It's, that's a really good movie. It's yeah, really this good was movie. really my favorite period of uh, Woody Allen. It was right after he got bit in the ass hard by interiors, so he made Stardust Memories, which was his fuck you film, and then he went into these, his nostalgia pieces. This and Zelig. I happen to like Zelig a little better than this one, but they're both really good. Oh, yeah. And next he was in this film at 85 where... Well, in the two-hour cut of this movie, he had a bigger role. But in this one, he looks like a goofball who's afraid of his dog for no reason because we don't know what the fuck is going on by the time he gets killed. (laughs) But yet, I don't fucking care. He's wonderful in that scene. It is is the batshit insane movie by Larry Cohen called The Stuff. Which is one of my favorite of Larry's movies. I love this movie. I just freaking love it. And yes, you know, the cut, there are stuff in here that doesn't make sense. You lose uh, characters for quite a while. You don't see what happens. But it really doesn't care because it's wonderful. And the funny thing, I found this out. So, So, ILO, this was the second time he had worked with Sorvino. And he really wanted the Sorvino role. But he didn't get it. But he got this role. And, 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 and Sorvino always sort of always teased him afterwards. Said, I got, I got the good role in the stop. <laughs> Which I find funny. Did you notice they really didn't say who was the first guy who hired Michael Moriarty's character in the stuff? No. They didn't. In a two-hour cut, it was supposed to be Aiello. He was supposed to be crucial <laughs> for the whole first act of the movie, you know. Right. Which explains why Michael Warriority's character shows up out of his fucking house out of the fucking blue. But exactly. Roger Corman was like, we got to have our films be 90 minutes or less, 90 minutes or less. No one will go to a horror film that's over that. I don't know if I would even call that a horror movie. It, it, it's such a bizarre, comic, weird, wonderful thing. It just is. Yeah, but this is this is Roger Corman who hated fucking comedy, you know. So he yeah, said it's a horror film. And next is a movie where... Usually I agree with Jackie Tran as a director, but this one I say, fuck you. The U.S. cut of The Protector is a hell of a lot better. I love this movie. I friggin' love this movie. And and, and ILO is great. And ILO, you know, you would think, okay, it's a buddy cop. You, you put Jackie Chan in there. You figure, you know, you want someone who you can believe, you know, can do Kung Fu or that. or And they put Aiello in there. And Aiello just kicks ass in this movie. I love this film. 
Well, look who directed it. Yeah, Glickenhouse. Yeah, this was a James Glickenhouse movie, and Jackie Chan wanted a Jackie Chan movie. With more of yeah. the Jackie Chan style stunts than that. Right, and, and Glickenhaus says, fuck you, I've got explosives. <laughs> yeah, Glickenhaus basically said, fuck you, I'm doing my cut. Yeah. Uh, and I'd rather see a James Glickenhaus film than a Jackie Chan film. I love I love a lot of his work, but we have our loyalties. Yes, we do. And next is the third one of his, uh, of, uh, and his most overt nostalgia piece that Woody Allen did, and that's Radio Days. It's a nice film, but it, uh, this one not just, eh. It's too treacly for its own good. Yeah, I happen to agree it's, with you. The problem with Radio Days is, uh, Roger Ebert said it the best. He said, I love this movie, but I forgot it was a Woody Allen movie. I thought I was watching a Neil Simon movie. Yeah. And moving on, here is one that you need to see. It's out on Blu-ray, but still in print. Watch it. And that is the 1987 original of Man on Fire. I love the Tony Scott version with Denzel Washington, but God damn, is the 1987 version with Scott Glenn Key as Creasy a hell of a lot better. I don't know this one. I got to see this. And this has got Joe Pesci in it, too. Jonathan yeah, Joe fucking Pesci Price. plays the Christopher Walken role. Okay. Jonathan, Jonathan Price, Scott Paul Shanar. God bless it. Yeah. Lou Castell. This is Italian, isn't it? No, it's set in Italy. Okay. Oh, okay. The little girl gets kidnapped by the mafia instead of some Brazilian drug dealers and all that. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, this one I got to see. Oh, it's it depends on how much you love Scott Glenn as a badass. Uh, I'm okay with Scott Glenn as a badass. Yeah. No problem with that. What happened was is when the new version came out, they did their damnedest to bury the old version. And I was like, oh, boy, the new one's coming out. I'm going to get the old one on DV. I'm going to get the old one on DVD. And the motherfucker never came out till 2016. <laughs> yep. Danny Isle plays like the main villain in the movie. You know, who doesn't show up till the end. Nice. Nice. And I got to see that. This is his second film with James Toback, which didn't turn out as good or as unique as Fingers did, and that would be the pickup artist. Uh, yeah, this, this this one, with the exception of the Harvey Keitel when he's on screen, this one doesn't catch fire. Harvey Keitel, Harvey Keitel is good. Danny Aiello is good. Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. He's in it, right? 
No, no, no. He's not in it. But not that everyone, I've seen the under actors is good. It's just that Molly Ringwald was wrong for the part, and Morton Downey Jr. wasn't seasoned enough. No. They were in a lighter co- comedic movie than this dark motherfucking movie that Toback was filming. About right, exactly. Who is uh, taking care of her degenerate, junkie, fucking scumbag gambler dad? Yep. And but then who cares that he was in that movie? Because the next movie he was in, was everybody Moonstruck. loved. Yep. What? Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Moonstruck has its good moments. I just never, outside of Silkwood, I never, and Mask, okay, Mask too, I can never really tolerate Cher as an actor. But she did have a great Italian moment in the movie. Yeah, she did. When Nicolas Cage comes at her and says, I love you, smack, we'll get over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's one other movie I do love her in. Uh, Come back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. Yeah. It was an Oscar winner, and Barry did, and it really was the movie that really launched Cage's career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. He was into uh, he was in some odd stuff before that, but they never did his mainstream hits, even though they're highly respected today. And that would be Birdie and Rumblefish. I love me some Birdie. I love Birdie. And next is one of those movies that I wanted it to work. Is God in my heart? I wished it would work because of how good the actors were in it. But why the hell did the January man fall so flat on his ass? Oh, man, I don't know. You would think this would be good. Seriously. I mean, the, the the cast is absolutely, you know, Rickman before he, people knew it was Rickman. Uh, Danny Aiello, Keitel, Susan Sarandon, Kevin Klein, and Antonio. Yeah, yeah, Master Antonio, dude. But man, but, it's a yeah, mess. I mean, it's just that they take these very interesting characters and put them in this boring vanilla crime plot, and yeah, they really. figure out how to trick the killer in in a way that you're a music guy. Did you get the thing with the windows? No. Did that make sense to you? No. It's like all of a sudden, look at the window. Look at the windows. What? Da 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 da. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Exactly. Yeah. But his next film may be the one that most people would know him for. Hell, he won a lot of independent actors awards. I think he won the BFI award. But this film was really passed over at the Oscars. Okay. 
And would you consider it all because it was so racial and angry? Oh, do the right thing is great. They're just so... People always thought, oh, it's a movie about riot. No, it's not. The riot's how the movie ends. 90% of the movie is you just hanging out with these motherfuckers on the street. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have uh, Ossie Davis and uh, his wife just destroying it. Yep, Ruby D. Yeah. And you have Kadeem Hardishan as, no, I forget his name, Radio Rahim. I mean, Spike Lee is good as an actor. Danny Aiello's fucking perfect. Yeah. And no, and not even, most people say that Lee takes the black guy's side. No, he doesn't take nobody's side. No, I agree. Do the Right Thing is one of those movies that's really a must-see if you want to know where everything everybody's head was back in 1989. Yeah, and, and it's very much of its time, and, and that's that's a really important thing to understand too. And and because it was right of its time, it hit the zeitgeist, and everybody just you know trumpeted Spike Lee, everybody trumpeted the film. It was really, really an important film. And it is an important film. No question. And it let white boys listen to Public Enemy. Uh, That it certainly did. That is one of the best fucking credit sequences I've ever fucking seen in a movie. Actually, his credit sequences are pretty goddamn good. Yeah. As a rule. And don't forget, Carl... Dun, 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 dun. What? That guy, that guy who played the radio DJ, he played in a couple more movies with Spike Lee, but I don't know if he became really big or not. Uh, hold on, because I was in the middle of something here. Uh, okay. Let's see, DJ. Uh, might that be uh? Bill Nunn? No, that's Radio Raheem. The DJ was played by Samuel Jackson. Oh, okay. Yeah, the one you only hear his voice through 90% in the movie, except in a couple of scenes where, in the end, where you see him dressed up like Queen Latifah. <laughs> nice. You know, the one that nice. screams... Everybody, chill the fuck out. And then <laughs> yeah. that's the end of the movie. True. But yeah, he was really on a roll after this. Oh, and here's something I really got to mention because he's fucking great in this. And it was a music video, and that's uh, the video for Papa Don't Preach by Madonna. Yes. He don't have a single line of dialogue, but god damn, you can tell what his character is going through in that fucking movie. Yeah. Video. And then we yep, got once stuff. around, and, and then in 
1991 became a movie that was his worst-reviewed film. It won Best Duo for him and Bruce Willis in the Razzies. Wait, wait a second. We're missing a couple. Okay. What are we missing? We are. Harlem Knights for one. Wait, wait. Oh, God, yeah. Harlem Knights, 1989, yeah. Harlem Knights. Which is a good little film. A lot of people uh, think of that as a uh, 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 pet project uh, of of Eddie Murphy. Uh, But, damn, it's a good little movie. I like that film. But even more important, you're forgetting Jacob's Ladder. That comes after Harlem Nights, but in yeah, I know. Well, Harlem Nights, and then, well, you you said yeah. you you were gonna set up Hudson Hawk. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. But really, uh, Harlem Nights. If I'm gonna have a prep project to get my friends money, and my friends are Red Fox and Richard Fucking Pryor and Della, I'm Reed, okay with that. And slap it white. Della Reese. Yeah, don't forget Della Reese. She's the best thing in that fucking movie. Yeah, I said Della Reese. Oh, okay, you did. Okay. And really, the best part of the movie is not just Della Reese. It's her and her and uh, Red Fox are ripping off each other. Oh yeah. You're blind. Yeah, put your glasses on, you blind motherfucker. I don't need my glasses <laughs> on to see that you ugly as hell, woman. <laughs> yep. <coughs> Good stuff. It's more fun, and Danny Aiello plays a great scumbag in this one. I mean, when he has his fate at the end of the movie, you don't feel bad for him. Nope. Not at all. But Jake, yeah, but Jacob's Ladder is really when the horror film was really getting away from the eightiesness of the slashers uh, and everything that was eighties. It was an adult horror film. Yep. And Danny, Danny Aiello. This is a spoiler. Plays one of the greatest angels in movie history. I agree. I agree. Lewis. I mean, Jesus, he's so good in that. I mean, there's just so many subtle details. This is Adrian Lynn's masterpiece, if you ask me. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, I love how he put the golden glow around him and how friendly and warm he seems throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And that's popping on the face. Now we're moving around. Let's go to I Spill, which was it was it won the Razzies for I think worst film of the year, worst duo for Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello. It was hated by audiences. The critics hated it. And when I finally got to watch it, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be... What the fuck? This isn't bad. (laughs) 
Oh my God, this is fucking hysterical. Yeah, it's hysterical, and they're having a fucking blast. And that will be Hudson Hawk, which is finally getting the reputation it deserves. Okay, so I got I got to talk about this. Okay, there was a little movie back a while before this called Heather's. And it was directed by a man by the name of Michael Lehman. And unfortunately, he didn't have a great luck after that in films. Now, he's done very well on TV. But this was a movie that, that was given to him. And, and Lehman is someone who's just off the beaten track. He just is. And it was the perfect marriage for him and Ayala and, and, and Bruce Willis. And let us and, and let's not forget uh that Bruce Willis basically was one of the, not the scriptwriter, but came up with the original story of this. Okay. Uh and then you've got James Coburn, you've got Richard E. Grant, you've got Sarah Bernhardt. It, uh just an incredible, really weird cast. Including Frank Stallone. Let by me the say way. something I said earlier that you agreed with before you move on. Uh, absolutely. I said that Hudson Hawk is paced and it plays like one of the late sixties, early seventies James Coburn films. Yes, and James Coburn is in it. <laughs> yeah. And and you said that to me this afternoon, I said, Holy shit, you're right. It's just odd. Okay, okay, Stephen, we have to do this. Uh, okay. So, what did you say? We're, we're uh, what, what were we going to steal while we're singing? You had this all set up. I can't remember. Yeah, oh, uh, that, that scene where they're basically walking around with a golf club full of rocket launchers singing... Would you like to sing on a star? On a star! And they just have that... <laughs> Giant shitting grins on their face. I mean, I could just see that man Carl doing almost the same thing, except that Carl be singing a Joe Jackson song, and <laughs> we would have the same kind of grins. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I love this movie, and and let me tell you something. You could consider me weird. But I had a thing for Sarah Bernhard, Sandra Bernhard. I did, no question. Oh, she was very dominating and a bitch in this movie. <laughs> and that yes, little and I loved her. poodle, Bob <laughs> <laughs> <Bosco> Fufu, <laughs> who turns into yep. a vicious dog that almost kills. Uh... Let's not Couple forget the but- butler with. Uh, the two uh, swords. Mm-hmm. Just, it's just, just so odd I love that movie. it works. Yeah. Oh, let's not forget David Caruso's in this movie, too. Yeah. How did you survive going over the cliff and exploding uh, car? Airbags! <laughs> And then he's then the best part is the answer. Fuck it, I'll tell you. Fuck it, I'll believe it. 
<laughs> That's what kind of movie it is. It's just like, fuck it, I'll believe it. <laughs> yeah. And moving on to the next, it's 29th Street, where he plays Frank Pesci Sr., who is the father, and the movie's about Frank Pesci Jr., the first winner of the New York Lottery, who was a friend of Joe Spinell, who was in Maniac, but also played a killer in The Godfather 1 and 2. And Danny Aiello also played in uh, Blood Brothers with Joe. Frank Pesci. Frank Pesci. So basically this is like a weird thing. It's just, even Pesci has said the movie is 90% bullshit. That's not his real life, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, skip over 92 Death Mask, and this is another movie that I wish was better than it was, and that was him starring as Jack Ruby and Ruby. Yeah, this, this one, one just doesn't work. No. Maybe it's because it come out too soon after the batshit shot of cocaine in your eyeballs. That was JFK. Yeah, true. I think you're absolutely right on that, actually. <laughs> I mean, how can you top Kevin Bacon talking about how good it is to fuck a boy in the ass? <laughs> yeah. And then there was the Godfather trilogy redone, Mistress, which is another one of those, like, in the soup, uh, oh, my God, I'm a long-suffering writer who has to deal with these assholes. Yep. I kind of like the movie, but it doesn't work. It's one of Robert Wool's only starring roles. That's because Wolf sucks at playing the good guy. If he's not mm-hmm. playing a sleazy scumbag. Yeah, that's true. That's very true, actually. And next is the Cemetery Club. I no, keep going. No, Why keep going. Do? Don't even, don't yes, even, you... keep going. Are we going to skip over the pickle? Ah, why, Paul Bezerski? Why, why? Fuck you, why? Yeah, I know. And the thing is, I really wanted to see it because I loved Aiello and I love Paul Bezerski. It's like, oh my God, this is fucking awful. Okay, never mind. No, we're skipping it. Yeah, because I don't know who the fuck it is. And the next is one of his best fucking roles ever. And he sits on a fucking table and doesn't move from that table in his whole role in the movie. And that would be Tony in The Professional. Oh. Hey, the movie is fucking awesome. Okay. Seriously. I can remember when I seen the trailers and I was like, and it came out and I was already, I was the only one of the group that went to see it with that seen La Femme Nikita and they're like why we gotta mm-hmm. go see this shit fuck you it's gonna be good but, 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 fuck you it's gonna be good 
<laughs> and then they were, rah, 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 and then Danny Aiello's speech come on. Whoa, <laughs> he's fucking good. This might be good. And then, yeah. uh, what's his name came in as the cop, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. And ate the whole fucking film, and then after that, they were in for the ride. <laughs> and then there's Jean Renault. Oh, God. And yeah. now the only really starring role he's got over here. Yeah. Well, Ronan, too. But Ronan, he's more of an ensemble and an ensemble. You're yeah. right. And plus, he was the only good thing in the Godzilla movie of the 90s. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Seeing him pull off that southern accent was just beauty. <laughs> but if you don't know Leon the Professional, you need to see it. Period. Okay, it's a I'm going to be the first one to say this, and Carl will fight me on this. Robert Altman was a Copperfield act. <laughs> no, he was in the, what is it, Cape of... And yes, we were talking about this. Yeah, yeah he does have like a thing about shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm he, he does have a thing about shit. Copperphasia, but it's copperphiliac. Because in yeah. the 70s, he did a movie called Bruce McCloud where it was focused on bird shit. <laughs> and then he did and ready to wear. for some reason was drenched in dog, dog shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Not one of Baldwin's better movies, but Aiello is very good at it. What kills me He's that Pretty Forte is bad is the cast. Well, I will say something about that. At the time, I think she was in her early 70s, you know, uh, 71, 72. And yeah. Sophia Loren does a strip tease in this down to her, you know, very, very undies, you know, very short undies. Uh, Let me tell you something. I was drooling. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, you had Marcello Mastriano. You had fucking Danny Aiello. You had some great fucking actors in a fucking horrible movie. Yeah, not uh, not one of the better ones. Even I will admit, I I I will agree with that. And here's and I'm an Altman fanatic. Yeah, his next one, we're skipping over Brothers Destiny, and because and too much, and Lieberman in Love, and Save the Rabbits. Fuck the rabbits. We're moving on. Power of Attorney. To move on to 1996's City Hall. Which is like Danny Aiello is a scumbag New York City political boss who you're supposed to fucking hate, but by the way the movie plays out, he's the most sympathetic character in the whole fucking movie, and you feel bad for him. Yep. And you understand that Paul Schrader wrote this, and then it was taken away from him, and then another guy by the name of Ken Lipper came in. And cut the balls uh, off. Directed by what? And cut the balls off. Exactly. That's where I was going. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah. I mean, you could just tell by watching it there was a much meaner film in there just wanting to come out like, come on, let me out, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. 
Agreed. And next Agreed. was two days in the valley, which I never did like. Eh. But I like it. I like two days in the valley. Of all the Tarantino wannabes that came out after Pulp Fiction, this is one of my favorites. It really is. Now, there's a real reason for it, and it's not Danny Aiello. Uh, but it's, it's Paul Mazursky, who's the director, who actually acts also. And this was the movie that he basically uh, apologized <laughs> to Danny Aiello for, for, for the pickle. <laughs> he, he begged for the role in this. So he could see Danny Aiello and apologize. I'm not kidding about that. <laughs> and we're going to skip over Unforgiven 25 Years After Willowbrook, The Last Dawn. Why? Because, eh. But this one, we're skipping over, but I just love the title of it. Bring Me the Head of Mavis Davis. That's just weird. <laughs> I have no idea what the <laughs> fuck that is, but. Yeah. And Della Ventura, which was a pretty goddamn good series, even though it only lasted one season, 14 episodes, which you did cover last night. I don't know if they talked about it, but for what Carl told me, go down to the DL and DL, their show last night, on one-season special shows. And, and, and yes, we did mention uh, Della Ventura. We certainly did. Yeah, it was good. It's just one of those yeah, they didn't understand it. Well, guess who who developed it and and wrote some of the episodes? Who? Kenny Allo. This was his baby. Huh. Well, it was good. We're going to skip over a lot of stuff because it's crap. I don't even know if any of us know. So we're going to go down to 2006 and lucky number seven, which... Carl liked, I didn't. I, I I do like this one. I do like it. I don't think it's superb. I think Josh Hartnett is definitely miscast. But, God damn, Bruce Willis, Lucy Liu, Morgan Freeman, Ben Kingsley, Stanley Tucci. You know, uh, it's got a hell of a cast. And basically, it's... it's uh, Set in an airport waiting room, man in a wheelchair tells a stranger a story about a fixed horse race in 1979, and it's all flashback, and it tells the story. And then then there's a twist, which I got 10 minutes into the movie, and of course they advertise it with, you won't believe the twist. Well, guess what? You will, and you'll figure it out because they told you it was a twist. Um, but nonetheless, it's a hell of a cast. And Robert yeah, Forster's in it, too. So fuck you. It on one thing. The movie fucking lies to you. And that is a shitty twist. Mm-hmm. But after that, yep. he just did a series like Mob Rolls and stuff until... He passed away after a long death. But even if he didn't do anything after Lucky Number Slevin, all that shit that we've talked about, goddamn, that's a hell of a run. Well, you know, something else, too. And, and, and no, we don't know a lot of the later stuff. And I'll be 
the first one to admit that. But I can guarantee you something. If Danny Aiello's in it, it's worth seeing for Danny Aiello. I'll yeah. guarantee you that. Let me ask you something. You ever see a bad role by him, something he did badly? The pickle. Ever? <laughs> the pickle. <laughs> I don't think that was his fault. The, the writing of that was just awful. Yeah. That wasn't his fault. But if we were going to pick the best, we will say the 70s. <laughs> the seventies into the eighties. Yeah, seventies until up till Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. no. At, what was that one? Pretty much, really much after Jacob's Ladder. That was just great viewing. I mean, you got Once Upon a Time in America. Uh, Bang the Drum Slowly, The Godfather, Part 2, Fingers, The Front, Jesus. Yeah. If you want to have a Danny Allen Film Festival, look up any of those. You will go away grinning. You know, the stuff, the protector. You know, lots of great stuff, man. As much as it hurts me, if I was going to pick the one to avoid... It would probably be the January, man. I think the pickle is worse. Yeah, but I do. The, pick, the January, man, is much more disappointing because of the potential it had. Yeah, that's true. I I happen to agree with you on that. Well, You'll thank you for you. everything that you did for us, Nanny, and thank you for all of the great roles. And thank you for Hudson Hawk. I, oh, God, I, yeah. Please. I love that movie from the get-go. And everybody was looking at me like, you're out of your fucking mind. And now, years and years later, it has a real cred. Uh, cult mm. cred. So good. Thank God. And it has James Coburn. Sir, sir, uh, Jacob just got killed. Do I look like I give a shit? No, sir. Then go on. (laughs) Yep. Ah, here's to you, Danny. Yeah. A nice drink in your honor, man. Some red rose wine for Danny Ayala. Yeah, and we'll see you tomorrow night for Vicky Loves. Sci-fi, and sometime next week we got to get together with our third, and we're going to be doing a really quick uh, best of 2019. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll be doing that. You, you let me know on that, Stephen. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to be doing our Christmas episode uh, the Sunday after this one, which is going to be Dial Code Santa Claus, which is the which I call the Home Alone that Carl wanted to fucking see. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, I would agree with night. that. Yeah, good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you, Stephen, for having me on. Good night. Well, thank you for bringing up the idea. All right, man. Good night. Good night.